So we'll begin. Since uh, last night I offered kind of the overview of the instructions, we'll start with a guided meditation this morning. And then after that, I'll recap a few, a few pieces. Finding a posture that feels alert, yet relaxed. As comfortable of a posture as you can find. And as I mentioned yesterday, relaxation is such an important part of our practice. So we'll begin by doing a little bit of being aware while relaxing. When we relax the body, it supports our mind to relax. And when we relax the mind, very naturally, our capacity to be present, to be aware in the present moment is supported. So this is the reason for cultivating relaxation so that a very natural connection with our human capacity for mindfulness can come to the fore. And so allowing the body to relax. We can do this in a kind of a scan. I'd like to start at the top of the head, seeing if the muscles at the top of the head, the crown of the head can soften. Allowing the face to relax across the forehead. Around the eyes. Around the mouth, the jaw. Relaxing the neck, the shoulders. The arms. The hands.
Seeing if the muscles of the chest and upper back can soften. Relaxing all of those muscles around the rib cage. Sometimes as my attention lands on this area and the muscles start to relax, very naturally a deeper breath comes in. And if that happens, that's fine. Taking a deeper breath can support a relaxation of those muscles around the chest. Allowing the muscles across the stomach and abdomen to relax. Maybe having a sense of letting those muscles hang forward a little bit. There can be a way that we kind of subconsciously hold that area, habitually kind of tension, hold tension in that area. So kind of a relaxing it forward and support a releasing of some of that habitual tension. Relaxing the middle and lower back. And then as if your attention were like warm water, letting it run from the place where your spine joins your head all the way down your spine, allowing the entire spine, the muscles around the spine to soften and relax. Relaxing the hips. Maybe even inside the hip socket, there can be a softening of the muscles, of the tendons and ligaments holding the bones together. Relaxing your legs. Including the joints, the knees, the ankles. And the feet, all of those small muscles in the feet. Maybe they can soften and relax. And having relaxed this outer, the musculature of the body, sometimes it's also possible there's some availability to soften 
inside the body. So maybe the inside of the throat can relax. Maybe the heart can relax. Maybe the stomach and the intestines can relax. As we relax the body, it helps our mind to be able to relax. Perhaps too, there can be a little bit of softening of worries, concerns, of thoughts about the past or the future, relaxation of mental tension. Relaxing the mind One way, an analogy that might support a sense of what it means to relax the mind is offered by my colleague Gil Fronstall. He suggests, as if the brain were a muscle, maybe the brain can relax. During this exploration of relaxation, we have been using awareness, being aware while relaxing. So whatever sense of relaxation you are aware of in this moment, can you connect with or recognize that you are aware while relaxing. Just noticing that you're aware. Are you aware? It's a simple thing to know that we're aware, and yet perhaps not so obvious how we know that we're aware. That's okay, especially at the beginning Just knowing that you're aware is where we start. So are you aware? 
And what are you aware of? Remembering that stance of settling back and receiving as if you're the passenger, not the driver of a car. Just receiving the landscape going by. Are you aware and what? What is being received? Some of the experiences that are often pretty obvious, especially at the beginning, is experience of the body. This body sitting here, aware of that. Aware perhaps of sensations in the body, perhaps of pressure where your hips contact your seating place. Perhaps aware of the contact of your hands. Maybe aware of a breath. Maybe aware of sounds. These physical experiences of body and hearing are often easy places to connect with experience. They're often fairly obvious. And so, relaxing, receiving what is obvious. You don't have to choose what you're paying attention to. Allowing it to come to you. And it probably will change. Maybe for a few moments, there's an awareness of the hips contacting the cushion, the chair. And then perhaps there's a sound And then perhaps a breath. We can kind of connect to the flow of experience that presents itself through being aware. Each moment, what's obvious? 
if your mind is kind of thrashing or jumping around, trying to find out what is obvious, then just start by picking some simple experience that's easy to connect with, a body sensation of some kind, usually. Letting your attention rest there for a few moments. But then you don't have to hold it there. Be willing to receive another experience that may come in. Relax. Are you aware? And what is happening in this moment? What are you aware of in this moment? The amount of effort that this takes is pretty light. Just enough to be with this moment. What you're aware of right now. And then, what's the next thing? Just a light touch of effort. You may be aware of body sensations, sounds, emotions, moods. Even thoughts at times. Often we get caught by thought. The mind gets pulled into thinking and loses awareness. And this will happen during your practice. At some point though, you will notice that you have had been lost. In that moment, Mindfulness has returned. You have become aware again. Let yourself recognize that, that moment of awareness returning. and what you are aware of in that moment. 
It may be that tension has crept in when the mind was wandering. That, that can happen. And if you notice when the mind returns from wandering that there is tension, then it can be useful to spend a few moments allowing that tension to relax again. There's nothing in particular we need to get back to in terms of attending to anything in particular. And so if you notice tension, allowing a relaxation of that tension, remembering it supports our mindfulness. that moment when mindfulness returns after we've been lost in thought is quite an amazing moment. It is mindfulness returning, an opportunity to recognize awareness. And it is an effortless awareness because you didn't have to do it. It just happened. It's an opportunity to familiarize yourself with the experience of awareness happening effortlessly. So you don't have to judge yourself for the mind having wandered. It's just an opportunity to notice awareness. That experience of becoming aware again. And then knowing what you are aware of. Just continuing What's obvious about now? How about now? Remembering the stance of the naturalist that we talked about last night. Just curious to witness nature, to witness experience happening without an agenda, to witness anything in particular, but just to witness what wants to show up Relax. Are you aware? What is obvious 
from time to time, it's useful to check in how we are in relationship to experience. Sairo Utejaniya calls this checking the attitude. What is the relationship to what is happening? Do you want something to happen? Do you want something to stop happening? Is there confusion about what's happening? Or perhaps a belief about what should be happening? Or maybe the mind is balanced. The mind is okay. What's happening is not a problem. There is simply ease with what is happening. It's important to check the attitude from time to time because sometimes a hidden attitude, a hidden agenda may be influencing how we're paying attention. And so we're exploring, exposing everything that's happening in our minds. So perhaps there's something unpleasant happening and the mind is averse to that. It doesn't like it. Sometimes we don't quite clearly recognize the aversion, the not liking. And so this is kind of to check in. Oh, there's that unpleasant sensation and not liking is happening. That's what's happening right now. We may become aware of an attitude. We don't have to do too much with it other than just simply notice it as one of the things that's happening in the present moment that we are now clearly aware of. Are you aware? What is obvious?
remembering awareness. And then letting that awareness receive experience. Experience may be very simple and pretty ordinary. Just body sensations, a breath, a sound. A thought flitting through. Another body sensation. Some patience with just receiving what is available, what is easily able to be known. with that easy connection to whatever is obvious, the momentum of mindfulness starts to build. As that momentum of mindfulness builds, we can see more. Mindfulness can see more. And so there is some trust and patience with this process. Are you aware? And what is obvious? Each moment moment after moment.
So just a couple of kind of elaborations on the instructions a little bit. This recognition that we're aware and what we're aware of. Sometimes we can use a question in the mind, a prompt almost of, am I aware what is obvious? Or am I aware of what Sayadaw Utejaniya suggests the use of questions as a way to um, connect with energy with the practice. The use of questions, it's important to um, understand it's not about trying to figure out the answer. It's more of a kind of a, of a connection. So the question, am I aware, is not about trying to figure it out, but more just dropping that in and then exploring or seeing, am I aware? Is this here? It's not, it's not a, a kind of a trying to find it, but just dropping that question in and seeing almost what's, what becomes more clear or more available to know with that question. So the questions aren't meant to make you think about things. And so if they do that, then I would suggest you let them go for a little while. So the, the question, am I aware? Just drop that in and see perhaps asking that question. Sayra says that when we ask those questions, our mind kind of gets curious to understand the answer and that that's not something we're doing. So asking that question may begin to help our mind understand, oh, this is what awareness is. And what is obvious? What am I aware of? What is awareness aware of? Perhaps that can allow the mind to just be curious again in that receptive way. What's here? What's here? And so if you find that your mind gets a little bit drifty, you could use those questions as a way to, to support uh, connecting again, just with a really light, a light touch. So the effort in this practice, um, really helpful that it's just as light as possible it actually doesn't take that much effort to be aware for a moment. Right now, can you notice the sensation of your right hand? Can you notice the contact where your hips are touching whatever you're sitting on? How about a breath? When I name each of those, 
you probably connected with it. It's often when I just name something like that, it's like the attention just goes there. It's not very hard for a moment to be aware. That's the level of effort that we need to make, just enough to connect for a moment. It is more difficult to sustain awareness over time, but the way we do that isn't by trying to bear down into holding on to something, but just with that light touch, however much effort it takes to be with half a breath or this body sensation, this sensation of your hand or this sound, just do it again. And then again, and again. There's a kind of analogy that I like to uh, offer. There are these scooters that kids ride here, not motor scooters, but ones you've got a, a small platform, two wheels low to the ground and a platform low to the ground and, and some handlebars. And you, know, you, you stand on one plat the platform with one foot and then you put your foot down and kick tap on the ground to get the momentum of the scooter going. And you could at the beginning, if you wanted to, you know, have your foot on the platform and do one really hard push to get the, the scooter going. But that would probably be a pretty wobbly ride. It wouldn't be very stable. But if you put your foot down and tap, gently tap, and again and again, just a gentle tap, just the lightest of taps, a momentum gets built and then you can ride for a while. There's a momentum that gets created by those gentle taps and you can ride for a while. The way we make effort in mindfulness is very like that. Just enough to be present for this moment and then this moment and then this moment. Those gentle taps, tap, tap, tap like the scooter. And over time, there's a little bit of a momentum of mindfulness that gets built up. And then you can get familiar or ride that sense of being aware for a little while and just receive, just know the next thing, the next thing, the next thing for a little while. It feels maybe just like a flow of being aware of, of a sound and then a body sensation and then another sound and then a mood and then another body sensation and then maybe the mind kind of begins to get feeling a little wobbly and then it's time to connect again, to tap. So the light touch of the moment of the effort begins to build a little bit of a momentum of mindfulness and the, uh, the combination, essentially the two pieces here, are mindfulness and effort that we're talking about right now. And those two joined, when mindfulness is joined with a little bit of effort like that, and there's that continuity of the next moment, the next moment, the next moment, that continuity of mindfulness is a form of concentration. It's a form of concentration that uh, is a stability of mindfulness, even though the experience is maybe changing. Many of us think of concentration as being focusing on one thing. 
and not letting go of that. But this is a different flavor. It's a different feeling of concentration. It, um, it is a stability of the awareness that is not pulled out into or not, doesn't get lost or caught by any particular experience that comes into awareness. So we, we know a body sensation, a sound, another body sensation, a mood. We know those one after another after another. We don't get caught by a body sensation and start thinking about it and think about what we need to do about it. We don't get caught by a sound and think about what do I have to, uh, to, do, to do about that. We just know the next thing. Oh, that's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And that's a form of concentration. The texts call it moment-to-moment concentration. So we'll talk more about this all this afternoon, this evening, and um, um, elaborate a little bit more about checking the attitude. Um, But right now, Anna is going to offer some suggestions and some guidance on doing walking practice with this form of practice. So, um, <clears throat> if we look at our human experience, our human life, our human activities, we could roughly divide it up into four different postures. We might be either sitting or standing or lying down or walking around. So that's kind of like a rough division of the human activities in our life. And the Buddha actually encouraged uh, us to practice awareness in all these different postures, in all four postures. And also from a practical point of view on a retreat, if you do a lot of formal meditation, in one day, some of you might be doing formal meditation from the early, early in the morning till late in the evening, the entire day almost. If we just do sitting, 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 it might get quite uncomfortable <laughs> after a while. So in fact, if you ever come to Neroda's physical retreats in a retreat center, and look at the schedule, it's usually alternating between sitting, walking, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, and, and some, you know, some meals and breaks in between. Um, but on these online retreats, is we don't have like, you know, group walking meditation periods in the schedule because it's kind of Uh, challenging to be doing walking meditation together on Zoom. I don't know if it's (laughs) being done somewhere, but we can't really figure figure out a a way to do it. So it's we we leave it for you outside of the the Zoom. So this is a great thing to do in between those sessions in the schedule. And um, on some retreats, if you sat retreats before, 
you might have learned a type of walking meditation where you're instructed to take a path, a short path, walk back and forth, usually walk quite slowly, and maybe pay attention to your legs and your feet, the physical sensations there. But on this retreat, that's not the instruction we are going to offer. And what we do here is based on what Sayadaw Dejaniya has said. He has said, I don't practice walking meditation. I practice awareness while walking. So basically what we do here is that we don't walk in any kind of special way. We just walk and be aware, or at least try to be aware. Walking and being aware is what we do. It's as simple as that. And so you can do this walking practice. Um, you can do it indoors or you could do it outdoors. You don't have to be walking at a slow pace. You can just walk at your very natural, normal pace. You don't need to look very graceful or beautiful or any way special. You can just work in your normal way, whatever it looks like, even if it's ugly and <laughs> weird, just walk in that ugly and weird way. Uh, and there's no need to be focusing on anything in particular. There's no need to be bringing the attention to the feet. You can just let the attention go wherever it wants to go and be aware of that. So at one time you might be noticing your feet. Some, some in the next moment you might be noticing that you're maybe feeling frustrated or irritated or maybe you're feeling peaceful or joyful. In the next moment you might be noticing some thinking that like, like you might be noticing planning going on, worrying going on, analyzing going on. In the next moment, you might be hearing a sound like dog barking. In the next moment, you might be smelling a flower, but maybe not a flower, <laughs> maybe in some countries, but maybe smelling a wet leaf. <laughs> um, you might be noticing like the coolness of the wind on your skin. It might be different in each moment. So the same way as when we sit down and open the awareness to everything, we, we do the same in walking. But having said all this, you can, all, all, of course, make some modifications if you find it supportive. For instance, in some situations, you might find it supportive for your mindfulness to walk a bit slower than usual, or maybe walk a bit faster than usual. So you could do that for a while. Or instead of just like walking around, you might sometimes find it supportive to walk in a smaller restricted area. And that's fine. Kind of the basic thing to consider is what would be the most supportive thing for my awareness right now. And, you know, like Andrea has talked about relaxation a lot and also important in walking meditation from time to time 
check if there's tension in the body or in the mind and if you you can find any you can give it the permission to relax so relaxing noticing if you're aware noticing what you're aware of and maybe sometimes checking the attitude as well same exactly the same instructions so i'll pass this back to andrea in case uh, you have something to add thank you let's see I think I think I just want to remind again, you know, in movement, perhaps the analogy of being being the passenger in the car, um, you know, maybe it 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 can it can work a little bit, you know, because you're actually moving. So thinking of the 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 world flowing by you and just what what is what is obvious, what's being received, what's coming to you. A couple of pieces that can be really interesting to play with in the walking. You know, in the sitting practice, our eyes are closed and we're still. So, um, you know, the certain, certain aspects of experience are less prominent. In the walking, the, the movement is going to possibly be more obvious, you know, so you may notice the movement of the body. But the other big thing that's, uh, that happens is that our eyes are open, at least they should be, you know, you're walking around outside, particularly. Um, your eyes need to be open so that you can see where you're going. And so seeing is going to be a big part of what you're, not you're noticing. And seeing is often a place or a big area where our mindfulness will go, that, that the, the mindfulness will, will kind of wander out when we see something. We look at something and start thinking about it and start thinking about, can I get that thing? Or what is that thing doing there anyway? Or so we, we, um, we see something and then we start thinking about it. And that's very often a place where our mindfulness starts to wander. And so if we can become aware of when our attention shifts in the seeing, in the field of seeing, that can be a very useful exploration. And so uh, Sayadaw often will speak about noticing the difference between seeing, which maybe we could say is just the kind of settling back and, you know, kind of taking in the bigger field, not looking at anything in particular, walking and just like letting things go by around you. So the seeing happening and when the attention gets drawn to some particular experience, when we look at something. So noticing the difference between seeing and looking. That will happen at some point and it's a natural process it's kind of happens because of conditions if there's movement if a bird flies in front of you you're probably going to look at it it's very natural that this will happen so you don't have to not look at things just be curious about when that happens when the shift happens from seeing to looking sometimes it might happen if you're if you're walking uh, I know sometimes if I'm walking and I'm walking 
where in my periphery there's a similar thing. Maybe I'm walking by a, a big um, hedge or something, and then suddenly um, the hedge opens and there's this big splotch of color there. The mind, the, 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 the vision orients to that. The mind kind of looks at it. And so sometimes that can be what happens, is that there's a change in the visual field and the mind kind of orients to look at that. So just curious about that, noticing this shift from seeing to looking. What you're, what you're studying there, what you're curious about there, is this factor of attention. It is attention that chooses to look. And it is... Um, Often, when we don't notice that attention shifts to something, that the mindfulness gets lost. That can happen in sitting meditation, where we're sitting, and often I'd say what happens, we're sitting, and then the attention shifts to some experience, like we're sitting, noticing something, and then there's a sound outside, and uh, the attention shifts to that sound, and we haven't noticed that shift. And then we start thinking about that. But if we can start recognizing that shift of attention, that can be um, a great support for this continuity of mindfulness. So seeing to looking, we can also be curious about the shift from hearing to listening. Or perhaps the shift from looking to listening or the shift from one looking to another looking. We don't have to make it be any particular way. Just be curious about how does your, how does your system take care of you? I mean, that's essentially what it's doing here. You know, it's, you're kind of walking down the street and it's orienting to look at things. You're not running into trees. You're not falling off the sidewalk. You know, you're, you're able to navigate because your system is kind of observing, knowing things. And so kind of curiosity about, about how this is happening. This is, it doesn't have to be a big project, but just this kind of curiosity around the shift from seeing to looking or hearing to listening can be a really uh, interesting thing that we can notice in the field uh, of what's happening while we're walking. So I'll just add that one in there. And then, um, why don't we go ahead and stop the recording now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.